got it out. I almost got the pre-show tweet out before the open hit. So close. Welcome into the Plank Show on a Monday. When was the last time we were actually in these gorgeous Buffalo Wild Wings studios together, Josh? It's been a minute, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think uh, when it would have been. Had to be well over a week. We didn't last week, so we only did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. Then on that Friday, I was at the airport. Thursday. I think it's been like almost, what, two weeks? Well, it's great to see your bright and smiling face. I wore a T-shirt today. That was a bad call. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I walked out of my car and I'm like, this isn't too bad. And I'm like, this is terrible. You had to uh, defrost, obviously. I did. It was not good. Um, hey, before we th- – this is going to be a fun show today because we get to talk about what we want to see in the next Oklahoma offensive coordinator. Um, I, I went through I went through every – Every projected list, um, every projected name, possible name, I wrote down, let's see what I, I wrote down the six that I think make some sense, and two of those in this six I have not seen anywhere. Now, that's not to say that they're going to end up being that dude or not, but We'll roll through the who we think is in and who we think is out. And I think most importantly, Josh, we have to have a timeline discussion when talking about this, right? On both sides. So welcome in. We've got a lot of talk about Jeff Levy and his replacement coming up on the show. But let's real quick is it's almost as if the game on Friday has been completely forgotten about, right? The tip of the cap to the seniors, 26 of them that we honored. Were there any surprises of names that went through senior day that you can remember? I think Tyler Guyton was the one that kind of surprised everyone because, listen, I've been I've been around Bill Beanbow now for – he hasn't quite been here for, for 10 years yet, has he? But he's been here for a minute, and I've done his coaches' shows, and I've talked with him about guys that are leaving early – I'm going to tell you something. In Bill Beatenbow's mind, Josh Halber, you get to go through senior day when you're a senior. So it took me a little bit ba- back when I was like, oh, oh um, I, I guess maybe there's been a softening of that stance. But even beyond that, it's almost as if with everything that's happened since the win over TCU, the, the absolute oddity of what happened Saturday in Stillwater and those of us who thought for a month, I, you know what I still haven't seen? I still haven't seen a review of the actual fumble that cost BYU the game. Have you seen a re- – I haven't seen a replay of it. I know you were in – was it as close as, as they made it sound? I, I was – full disclosure on this, I did not get to watch that game. I didn't get to watch a snap of that game. It was the right call. Okay, all right. I just – I. They seemed to be on it in the Oklahoma State booth. We were traveling, and I'd promised my family since it was a Friday game, and, and we went up and saw Willie C and, and had lunch with him, and the 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 wife and the girls do what they do, which is shop. So I spent a lot of time listening to Dave and John and Robert Allen, and then in that, I, I think about it was halfway through the second quarter where I was like, I can watch this game on my phone. What am I – what am I doing right now? So I, I was sitting in a car watching it, and I, 
I didn't allow myself to have too much hope until about midway through the fourth quarter. But we thought Oklahoma might have a chance. Oh, this is the first time I'm seeing it. Okay, let me. Oh, man, that's a tough, tough call, right? Still up. Still up. Ball out. But still up, but then also, what, kind of on his way down? It's one of those that if they had ruled him down. They wouldn't have been able to overturn it. But he's so clearly still up. Exactly. It seems they see there's a little bit of a shade on that. I appreciate you zooming it, but let's see. So is the ball out, like, right there? No. Right. Wait for it. Right. Right. Ball out. Oh, that's a tough place to fumble the football, man. Anyway, and in my mind, I was I was sure that BYU was going to score and then make that two point conversion. But uh, so we all had that little bit of hope on Saturday night for Oklahoma to potentially make a uh, a Big Twelve championship game. But then I don't know about you, Josh. I wasn't wasn't like overly mad about it. I thought I would be. I saw there was a lot of, again, I spent probably a little bit too much time once I got home on Saturday night on Twitter because I was watching all the the late games. But I didn't, I didn't really find myself too upset that they're not going. Does that make any sense? I mean, I wanted to go more than anything because, holy smokes, do I have to do a lot of chores on Saturday. I was not, I've got to go to a pig farm thing. I've got to, I'm, I'm volunteering at a concession stand somewhere. <laughs> it I mean, would behoove you it to work. It would have been the greatest thing ever for me for Oklahoma to make that Big 12 championship game. But in that same vein, as, as much as I want Oklahoma to be there, it's not – I didn't come away Saturday night when BYU had that fumble where I'm like, ugh, they screwed us or we got hosed or whatever, right? I, I didn't really – I didn't have too big of a problem with it, I guess is what I'm trying to spit and, out. And ultimately, you know that – if you were a little more aggressive in Lawrence or just played better, yeah. right, took care, of, took care of the football there, same thing in Stillwater. It, it was in your hands, and unfortunately, Oklahoma lost a couple of games. And when you do that, you open up the door for this. So, you know, it was, though, so tantalizingly oh, close to happening. I, was, I had sweaty hands. I was nervous. I, I was white-knuckled driving, and it was a rainstorm, and you couldn't really see anything on the turnpike, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like – Ugh. I I just don't understand how you can be that aggressive all game, fake a punt, the 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 things that BYU did, and then you you've got a chance to run the 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 end of the game clock down, go for a fourth down. I get it's on your side of the field, but sure. you're playing for a bowl game. You're playing, you've been playing for, for broke game. all day. And then uh, in that instance they don't. So from a football perspective, it was a fun weekend. We had a reason to be a little bit more engaged than I think any of us had even realized. Did I start looking at restaurants and thinking about dinner reservations midway through the second quarter? Maybe. Maybe. But then I also realized, yeah, a long way to go in this game. And what has Oklahoma State done over the last four weeks since beating Oklahoma? They have been a team that, for the most part, has allowed bad teams to hang around with them. Oh, and beat them. It's going to be one of the weirdest postscripts ever to look back at Oklahoma State season, figuring out how they ended up here with two embarrassing losses to teams at what it's South Alabama and UCF. Are they going to bowls? Did UCF ever get bowl eligible? I don't know. Regardless, it's a team that finished near the bottom of your conference. So that's the football side of things. Well, and 
the way they lost those two games. I mean, it's one thing to lose that game on the road, but to get smoked, housed the way they did. Smoked. All right. Let's get after it. Everyone has moved on from the game. We'll roll out the bowl projections. Toby did a good job. I still – let's see here, UCF. Did they get bowl eligible? Ah, yes, they got to 6-6, six and six, so they'll be playing in a bowl game. I still think Oklahoma's going to make a New Year's Day 6 bowl. I firmly believe it. I think they're going to be playing in – and I think part of that is going to hinge on Texas obviously making the four-team playoff. But I think the other part of it is – Oklahoma is still a very attractive draw. And if you're having to choose between a Penn State and an Oklahoma for something like the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, and both those teams are in the top 12, then I think I think that Oklahoma is going to get the nod. The, one of the best things that happened to Oklahoma this weekend was Mark Stoops in Kentucky beating Louisville because I, Louisville's out of that top 12 right now. There's just no way you can justify it. And I think tomorrow night it'll be interesting to see if the committee drops Ohio State – below Texas and Alabama. But that's that's for tomorrow. I still believe Oklahoma's going to New Year's Day 6 Bowl. But they're going to do it with a new offensive coordinator. Jeff Levy is on his way to Mississippi State to become the head coach. So I, I just put together a list of how I think we need to a- approach this. You ready? Timing. Timing-wise. Uh, George Stoya, I think, had the report that Levy was offered the job on, what was it, Saturday night? slept on it, woke up Sunday and accepted it. And that the conversation had started, the first true, I guess, interview was Wednesday. Or or Thursday. It was the day before the game, where the the game plan was in and everything was good to go. And either Zach and them came here or he went and met them somewhere and he had his his interview with Mississippi State. Does all that seem about right with the timeline you've heard so far? Yeah. Accepted the job on Sunday. That was a party. It's Starkville. Holy smokes. Good job by by Zach Selman to have that fan base excited. I mean, they're carrying the freaking athletic director on their shoulders before the man has even coached a game. Not just as a like a play call. Has ever been a head coach before, period. <laughs> they give that kind of hero's welcome. It's unbelievable. So that's as we understand the timing from Jeff Lebby leaving Oklahoma. Now Sticking with just the Levy side before we go to Oklahoma, staff-wise. I said this. I was just on with uh, Cole Kublik and Greg McElroy. No, this is not a shot at anybody or anyone. This isn't like Steve Sarkeesian leaving Alabama for Texas. And if you go back, Sark, he took a lot of guys with him, right? This isn't like Brent Venables leaving Clemson for Oklahoma. He took some guy, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis. He took some dudes with him. Uh, Trent Simpson, a lot of the guys in this. He took some guys with him when he came from Clemson, right? Again, as kindly as I can say this, this is Oklahoma to Mississippi State. And outside of a you know, a handful of support staff guys, uh, Matt Holchek, I'm sure, is a guy that's already there with Jeff. He had come to Oklahoma from Ole Miss and had been in – I guess kind of his quarterback coach's role for Levy, his right-hand man. So I'm sure Matt's going with him. There might be a couple of other guys, you know, in that support system. And I'm sure Jeff Levy had had planned for this. So he knows if he has a Thad Turnip seed or a Woody Glass kind of a guy that he wants to go with him. But 
I don't think this is something to where you sit back and you're like, oh, gosh, look, there goes Beatonbow and there goes Emmett Jones. And I'm not trying to sound cocky or arrogant, Josh, but and especially with o- what Oklahoma pays with its assistance, Jeff Levy's a great guy. Jeff Levy's done a really nice job here. But unless you're Joe John Finley and your lifelong best friends and you're going to go there and you're going to call plays, I don't. I don't anticipate this being something that you look up and suddenly there is four or five staff positions that need to be filled. And maybe I'm living in denial, but I don't think so. There's a good chance you're just finding an offensive coordinator. Ding, ding, ding. Um, also, on the levy side of this, real quick, is his approach going to be similar to that of Brent Venables, which was when he left Clemson, it took Jaron Canick just showing up, right? He's not going to go after those guys. He's not going to recruit them. He's not going to try to poach them or anything of that nature. Is that going to be his approach, or is he going to get there and look at what he wants to do offensively and realize, uh, yeah, I could I could really use um, a Jaden Gibson, or I could really use uh, – a, a, a Dalen Smothers or whatever, you know. I'm just I'm I'm throwing some names out there. Do they try to poach a few dudes? I don't know. Maybe the the one at uh, Chris Wilkerson, my 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 buddy in in Washington, noble legend. He uh he was one of the first guys that a couple weeks ago said to me, Jeff Levy, Mississippi State head coach, and Dylan Gabriel is going to be a quarterback. I was like, that that'd be good, you know, that'd be good for them. But I also I don't I don't know if Dylan Gabriel wants to stay in college anymore. You know, I think he wants to go try to play pro football. But maybe he does look at it as an opportunity to go, hey, I can make you know whatever the going rate is for a there is not a big transfer market at the quarterback position right now, right? Everyone's talking about trying to get Riley Leonard out of Duke. That shows you where we are at the transfer portal market for quarterbacks right now. But maybe for Dylan Gabriel, he's like, Oh, you know, Oklahoma has its path set up. I'm gonna I'm gonna go help help Coach Lebs out in his first year at Mississippi State. I, I don't know, but at least from recruits and the current roster, it looks like we've seen almost a reaffirmation. And hey, I'm coming to Oklahoma from the Jackson Arnolds, at least through his dad and several of the recruits on social media. Right, that's what we've seen so far. Which was always the big fear from the fan base. If uh, Lebby takes a gig, what does it mean for Jackson Arnold? And at least the early return is. Don't worry. Right. Now, again, that's an early return. Is there anything else on the Jeff Lebby side of this that we need to hit that you can think of? I, It makes sense, right? Yeah. I think it's a good fit for him, and because of the relationship between himself and Zach Selman and Mississippi State, look, uh, they probably need an offensive-minded head coach. So sure. It, it, to me, it's a, it's a good fit for both. So let's look at those questions from an Oklahoma side of things. What is the timing of this for Oklahoma? What is this going to look like staff-wise? Is it one person that you're hiring? When Brent Venables was hired at Clemson, it was one dude. There was no one that went with him, at least that I can remember. That's 2011. That was 12 years ago. I mean, I have forgotten a lot since then. And what will it look like as far as what you want to do offensively 
and how you want to approach the type of offense you want, having recruited towards what Lebby and his offense is about and having built your roster around what Jeff Lebby wants to do offensively. And I have a list of things that Jeff Lebby did that he needs to be given more credit for at Oklahoma. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, and I got my list right here. I got six names for you. Six names. And I vetted four of these. And I think that four of these are the four we need to be talking about. That's a lot of offensive coordinator talk, but we're just getting started on a Monday right here on The Ref. Okay, so we did have a decommit this morning. Uh, it, according to, well, I guess himself, Dozy Ezekama told Hayes Fawcett that he is decommitted from Oklahoma. He has been committed since June, 6'4", 185-pound wide receiver out of Fort Worth, Texas. That could be a couple of things. Number one, I don't know how in on Dozy Ezekama's recruiting. Am I saying that right? Does it sound right to you guys? I'm sure I'll be corrected on the text line. I don't know how involved uh, Lebs was in that. I don't know if it was something to where Buzz started to build about Oklahoma talking to other recruits in this cycle. I, I don't know. Timing of it would lead you to believe that it would have something to do with Jeff Lebby leaving, right, Josh? But it's his his list of teams that are interested has seemed to grow a bit even with his commitment because there was not this laundry list of big-time names that were out there offering him. Well, and you had to think that, you know, somewhere – somebody probably offensively was sure at least going to reopen their recruitment. So not shocking. And I, you know, it doesn't necessarily close the door. Does it? No, 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 no. What about, okay. We, we went through the timing and we went through the list of things on the levy side of it. Okay. How about on the OU side of it? And we can do this quick timing wise. How quickly do you think they want a new offensive coordinator? Well, with Dozy as a comma decommitting and, and the, December early signing period right around the corner. I think that probably makes it to where you you move a little quicker. But theoretically, to me, if uh, Seth Luttrell or others are legitimate candidates here, you've got a bowl game to try and test something out if you wanted to. Right. So you could you could wait until then or later. I doubt hmm. Oklahoma does. Travis did say this has been this had nothing to do well not nothing to do with but. That Emmett Jones, you remember Ezekama's brother was the one that played at Texas Tech. So, yeah, thanks, Travis. Because uh, Emmett, Emmett Jones had coached his older brother at Texas Tech. So that's interesting. That'll be one to, to keep an eye on. Meanwhile, Josh, um, staff-wise, I, I think we kind of hit that. I wouldn't expect to see outside of maybe a Joe John Finley. And if – I think Joe John's a candidate to be the offensive coordinator here. But to me, I I wouldn't expect this, and I keep using the Sark analogy, I don't know how deep that change is going to cut or hurt, right? And, and then I would also, it, this, should, this should be a moment of, of pride for everyone beyond just, oh, if you can't stand Jeff Lebby. I mean, in the second year, Brent Venables continue this unbelievable tradition of Oklahoma offensive coordinators getting head coaches' jobs. And even though Josh Heupel was fired and had to, you know, again go through the rebuilding of, of his career at Utah State with Matt and then up through Missouri, I mean, it's 
still kind of wild to think that every offensive coordinator that's called plays for Oklahoma since 1999 has been a head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Jay Norvell's in that list, too. Yep. Anyway, so for me, on the staffing side of things, I'm not worried. And then current roster and recruits, obviously the common news uh, sucks. I don't know what that has to do or if that's tied at all to Levy leaving. But I would also add – Well, it's certainly a convenient Timing-wise, right? Timing-wise, it's like, oh, that's interesting. But it seems as if there's a lot of things that – there's a lot of things that will be curious to follow – when it comes to the approach of coach and this current roster and the current group of recruits. What do you say? I mean, when is when, – when do you think Oklahoma's got a new offensive coordinator? Will, will it be quick? Will they take their time with it? Well, let, let me go through my list. Do you want to go through my list that I put together sure. for you? And I put this list into essentially three categories. The first category is what I would consider to be – legit candidates okay the second category would be names i haven't heard that have a tie to brent venables that wouldn't surprise me at all okay and then the third list is stop throwing these names out there you morons all right (laughs) all right that's that's my list okay um here's my list of candidates i think there's three in-house options and maybe maybe a fourth but seth luttrell Matt Wells, Joe John Finley. I say maybe a fourth. Seth and, and Coach Beanbo were co-offensive coordinators at Arizona, and maybe even I don't know if Emmett Jones eventually is 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 wanting to be a play caller or how that's going to play out. So that would be my list of in-house candidates, which. I'm trying not to get too caught up in comparing what Brent Venables might do to what any one of his predecessors have done, Josh, but I think it's only natural, right? I think it's only natural. Dabo, outside of Brent Venables, and really what Garrett Riley, he's he's really been a promote-from-within kind of a dude. But... When he swings for the fences and decides, I need that, we've seen Dabo swing for the fences. Bob, Coach Stoops, I felt was – it was a mix because if you just – I'm trying to go off the top of my head, and I'm sure you guys will be correct Correct me if I'm wrong. But 99, Mike Leach, what did he bring in? He brought in an offense that he didn't like, to, that he had trouble defending, and that's the kind of offense that he wanted to run. But then when Leach was one and done and off to Texas Tech, what did he do from within, right? Mangino. I want. I, was Chuck Long here? You know, he came in and he was. But they went outside when they brought in Kevin Wilson, right? Because they specifically had something different they wanted to do. But I don't know how much that history of how, and I, I can't even begin to remember how Bill Snyder went about naming his offensive coordinators, and if they ever left, he might have the same guy for thirty years. But I don't, I don't know, Josh how Brent's going to approach it from the perspective of does he feel like this is the system and let's keep the continuity so whatever it takes, Joe John or Seth Luttrell. And remember, Seth Luttrell does not run that offense. That's not the offense he called at North Texas. He was like a run-and-gun, run-and-shoot guy. He wasn't what uh, what Lebby does. It was a completely different world. Now, 
as we've learned throughout time, they, those things can be massaged and changed, and the language can be adjusted a bit. But I got to be honest with you, Josh. I everyone's that's just like Seth Luttrell. I'm with you 100. percent I think it'd be great, but that would be a philosophical shift from what Oklahoma is doing. How important is continuity? All questions we don't know. And maybe Britton will answer them, or maybe we'll go diving through old press conferences and he's given us Easter eggs throughout. But to me, my feeling is Brenton Venables wants to get the best coach possible. I don't, I don't know if he looks at it and says, I've got to make sure I'm promoting guys from within. I don't know. All right, so there's, there's the in-house. Here's a couple of other names that I find interesting. You haven't heard, but ties to Brent Venables. Jeff Scott and Chad Morris. Those are two names that have ties to Brent Venables that I haven't heard anywhere, but that I find to be very interesting. Why? Because they worked with Coach Venables for a, for a while. And, I again, I don't know what his relationship is like with either one of those guys, but – I mean, essentially, Jeff Scott was on staff with Brent Venables from the moment he got to Clemson until the moment Jeff Scott took the head coach's job at USF and was the co-offensive coordinator for the better part of of five or four years. Now, he went to South Florida, and the bottom fell out. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to hear that name surface a bit. I I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even know where Jeff Scott is right now. I don't know if he has a desire to stay in coaching, but it's just a name that I haven't heard. And I think ties to Brent Venables would be, it would be at least worth diving into. Here's the other name with ties to Brent that I think it's, it's worth diving into a bit. That's Chad Morris, who is, um, he's not as old as some people think. Chad Morris is only 54 years old. You know, he's not necessarily some old over-the-hill gang guy. But things things did not go well for Chad Morris whenever, A, he decided to move from SMU to Arkansas as a head coach, and then when he tried to revitalize his career and go to Auburn as the OC, and that whole staff was blown out. But again, from 2011, and I guess that would be the 12th season, 12, 13, and 14, he and Brent Venables worked together as head coach, as, as offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And if you go back and listen to all the stories, Dabo Sweeney hired Brent Venables to do what? Have a defense that would work with a up-tempo, fast-paced offense. Those are, those are two names that caught my eye that haven't been mentioned a lot and they haven't done it. I mean, I think, like I said, I don't know where Jeff Scott is right now, but I do know that – I think he just wasn't coaching this year. Yeah, I do know Chad Morris is someone that um, that was an offensive analyst at Clemson this past year. That's correct. So just th- those are two names to keep in mind. Okay, who's in the stop it? Well, let me, look, can I give you the other legit candidates too? Sure. Here? Okay. So – these are outside of the building, names that I'm intrigued by. Brennan Marion, former University of Tulsa wide receiver. 
This is only, as far as I know, his first year calling plays, though. And that was at UNLV. And I don't know if we're going to be in a world of wanting to have someone learn the job on the spot or make their mistakes, but dynamic recruiter. Dynamic recruiter. So I think, and creative mind, familiar with this area. Coached at Texas for a while. Good name to keep an eye on. Andy Koltenicki. I think whenever you hear Andy Koltenicki is the offensive coordinator at Kansas. I think when you hear when you hear a name like Andy Koltenicki, it's usually from either really diehard football guys or or film nerds because they know how good he has been. Well, if you Kansas. can if you can get that accomplished at Kansas, mm-hmm. I love the idea of what you could do at Oklahoma. Right. And, and, and so then you got to stop for a moment. And with Coltonicki, this is where I need the smart X and O guys. Is it is it too gimmicky, right? Is it something to where it's like, oh gosh, this is like Levy two point for those that for some reason didn't like having the third ranked offense in all of college football. But I or, or and in all honesty, you leave Kansas for Oklahoma in a heartbeat. But for Coltonicki, would it be? Hey, I'd like to bring a couple of these dudes with me. I don't know, but that's another name. And then, you know, I'm torn between you. Th- you pulled up Casey Woods, which I think is a fascinating name. But I, I kind of feel like, how much is Casey Woods actually doing in the SMU offense? Like, because you, again, Rhett Lashley calls the plays, and I think we fall in love by looking at the stats and the numbers and everything, uh, everything that are happening with SMU's offense. But is he? You know, is he a coordinator that doesn't necessarily call his own plays? I don't know. I don't know, but I see that name a lot. Here's the other the other name that I'm intrigued by, and that's Sean Lewis. Don't hold Sean Lewis's stint at Colorado against him. He's a really good offensive coordinator. But again, spread guy, wide open. Is that what Brent Venables wants to do? Don't hold his stint at Colorado against him. I mean, they've made big-time progress. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. Don't hold Deion Sanders taking his offensive play calling away from him uh, midway through the season against him because we saw what happened down the stretch when yeah. they did. Yeah, it looked like a mistake. Sean Lewis might get a head coach's job this year to show you how some people feel. And when I say don't hold him because I can – like I already saw this like on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Jeff Scott coaches South Florida and is 4-26 and is the coach there. Bro, you've sent that like 12 times. He is not the head coach of South Florida. He got he got fired. <laughs> Things did not end well for Jeff Scott in South Florida. But I mean, if you're not gonna look at guys who have been fired before at jobs for this potential opening, then you know what are we what are we even doing? What are we even doing right now? Um, wild card candidate, two wild card candidates, two guys that I think are very very interesting, but I don't know. I don't know how attractive or, or, or how their interest level is or if Brent Venables would be interested in them. One of them is Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator. When I think about what Brent Venables might dream about offensively, I see what Ludwig does at Utah. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And the other is Sharon Moore at Michigan. Oklahoma guy, though he only played here a couple of years. 
but he has now been the you know interim coach for you know three pretty incredible wins at Michigan. Maybe he's the next guy at Michigan to be their head coach. I don't know. But if Harbaugh leaves and he's not the guy, but I don't know if we have enough time to wait for that, Josh. And I don't know what that interest would look like. Those are a couple wild card candidates that I'm intrigued by. And then, then. You can make a phone call. You can always make a phone call. And then there's two names that you just, you got to stop. And I don't know if they're out there for click or what, but Cliff Kingsbury and Dana Holgerson, just, just stop. Just stop. It's, it sounds good, but I just don't, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the direction that Oklahoma would ever want to go. Neither one of them seem to like to recruit very well. And that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and I think you're going to want to get a dynamic recruiter to roll in here. There's other names. I, I see you guys popping on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, the 313. What about Willie Korn for Liberty? Fascinating. Ryan Grubb from Washington. Absolutely. And in fact, if I was making, if I'm going outside of the building, Ryan Grubb is my first call. That's my number one call. But I don't think he's going anywhere. And no, Willie Korn, I'm not. I'm not hearing that name as much as others are. I'm I'm seeing him being matriculated into coach searching lists lists from people that I think looked at Googled up dynamic offenses and said, ooh, what about the Liberty guy? I also think it's going to be fascinating to see if there are other sitting head coaches. Sean Lewis left Kent State to be the, the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Is there a head coach in one of the Mac schools uh, that's doing something? I just, I don't know. All right, quick break. Oh, we're really late. There's my list. There's just what I say. I had six that I'm kind of legit keeping an eye on, but I think we ended up expanding out to about 13. What's real and what isn't? I guess we'll all find out together right here on The Ref. Scott asks a very simple question. What's your gut tell you? Staying in-house? I think what we've seen from the two coaching hires – that Brent Venables has had to make after getting his inaugural and initial staff and play his inaugural work there. Um, but the, he's going to go out and hire the best possible the, candidate, the best guy. Yeah. Emmett Jones. What did he come in right away and do? Started crushing it. And the way those wide receivers played there, there were no other changes on the staff outside of that. So I, this is a massive hire. And it's a big deal to be the head coach at, or the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So I, I tend to think my gut is telling me most likely staying in house. Yeah, I, I agree. But, and, and maybe Seth Luttrell, Matt Wells, this was always the parachute away from danger. Well, and I know I'll tell you this much, just because so many times we look at this guy had this record as a head coach. I, I got good news for you guys. There's plenty of great offensive and defensive coordinators that weren't great head coaches, but have been fantastic offensive and defensive coordinators. And we're not hiring them to be the head coach. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah, Josh, hundred percent right. If if we, the royal we, didn't give guys coordinator positions because they. They failed as a head coach or coaching positions because they didn't win. There'd be a lot of dudes out of jobs right now. A lot of dudes. Including the defensive coordinator 
for the back-to-back national championship team in Georgia. I mean, Will Muschamp was an abjunct failure as a head coach, but he'd been pretty good work with Kirby Smart. No now, I, I, I feel like every single time I talk about the Georgia defensive coordinator, like nobody actually points to the head coach and his essential co-defensive co- coordinator. It's always some young guy that I've never heard of before that ends up being a rock star. But I, and, and by the way, I told you, I like Ryan Grubb a lot. I can't argue too much with what Travis just sent in on the super secret Textosa line, which is this. Um, why is Grubb considered a slam dunk by many when he's basically, uh, I, I don't know what PNW stands for. Pacific Northwest. Ah, thank you. Pacific Northwest Casey Woods. He's worked for Kalen DeBoer at four different schools, and the one year he wasn't with Kalen, his offense was a failure. I think Kalen is Andy Grubb, uh, is Andy Reid, and Grubb is Bienemy. Bienemy is really trying to get Sam Howell hurt. I don't know what they're doing up there in Washington right now, but he's really trying to get Sam Howell hurt. Doing his absolute best. I don't I, – I'm so excited to follow this. I'll say this much. I don't think anyone truly knows anything. I think we're all kind of grasping at straws a bit. But to me, look at, look at people Brent's worked with in the past. Don't get too caught up on the hot shot names that are out there right now. And then think about – think about the kind of offense you would envision Oklahoma wanting to have heading into the SEC. And to me, I think that there would be a desire for things to be a little bit more physical in the run game. Yeah. Right? And so far, a lot of these names that are thrown out there are dudes that just basically throw it all over the yard. Which I find fascinating. All right. You you got one more thing to add before we get caught up here? No, I just think that, yeah, you'd you'd like a little bit of a mesh between pro-style meat spread. Right? I mean, you you don't want to lose the explosive throw game. But, yeah, you probably want the foundation to be built on a powerful run game. (laughs) Quick break. When we come back, let's hit the best of the early, early takes from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Mr. Sports uh, hit us up. Said, why not a name like Garrett Riley? Oh, would that be hilarious? I don't think uh, think Garrett Riley's in play here. I don't think Kendall Bryles is in play here. I think that. I, my gut's telling me promote from within. But I also don't think that Brent Venables is going to be – he's not going to be hell-bent on one way or the other, right? Say, this is how I'm going to do it, and this is how it's going to be, period. I think he's going to talk to some people, and as he should. And then I wonder what – like, who – when you make a call like this, is it something where an AD – like, does Joe see, hey, hey, BV – there's a couple of guys that I've always kept this list. Like, I, I've never understood how that dynamic works, right? I think it probably depends on the athletic director. Sure. And I and I don't know if Joe C would – and I'm not saying he's saying, you better go hire this guy. I feel like, generally speaking, athletic directors are sort of, hey, you make your hire and we'll sure. sign off on it. Sure. Or not. Mm. Did you feel good about the way the season ended for Oklahoma? Uh, you know, offensively, uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. right? I think the way that it ended the last three games defensively is kind of one reason why I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad that 
I wanted them to go to the Big 12 championship game, but I'm not heartbroken that they're not, right? It's not like, oh, what a missed opportunity. The way things are trending, beating Texas a second time looked like it was going to be – going to be tough. Yeah, pretty challenging. But I, I also – I really – I really wondered if the best thing for this group would have been just more practice time. Let's get back and let's start preparing with uh, – at a boire, at an edge, and let's start working with, you know, these young linebackers and Samuel Omasigo, who started playing more as the season went along, and the Lewis Carters, and all right, let's look in the secondary and see what it's going to look like with some of these younger guys. So to me, I really wanted to go to the Big 12 title game, but I'm also intrigued to see where this team ends up bowl wise and what that preparation is like. But now we got a big story, and that is. Who's going to be the next offensive coordinator? Let's roll through some of your early texts next.